Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Please play this song on the radio. Please play this song on the radio. Folks, welcome back to Now and Again. We are going off of the rails once again, doing a little bit of a side project with me today. It's everybody's favorite Nico, Nico Vasillo. It is, it is, well, I mean, some people prefer Nico Case, some people might prefer Nico the Runaway, yes. some people might prefer Nico Wafers, I don't know, I can't help them. Well, you know, everyone's entitled to their wrong opinion sometimes. Nico, today, we are jumping into a world that I think neither of us really purposefully dabble in ever, the world of the clickbait listicles, top 100, top 10, top 50 best things, I tend to avoid these like the plague because I think they're bait in every conceivable way. But we're going to jump into one by Rolling Stone. Uh, are you a list guy in any way? So let's contextualize who I was growing up. Uh, my dad, as I have mentioned, is a very g- stubborn, proud, Greek and Cuban kind of stereotype. Uh, of like, you know, that kind of, no, it's the best because it's mine and it's the thing I like and I can prove that it's the best in every way and I will never back down. And we'll just like, you can literally like put like facts in his face and he's just like, let me tell you why they're wrong because you're looking at them wrong. And like, it's just fucking mind numbing sometimes. But I, when I was, it comes down to this. When I was a kid, my dad was like, um, I want you to watch Arsenic and Old Lace. And I was like, I don't want to. And he was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. Cause it's black and white. Like I was just being like a little shitheaded nine year old. I didn't want to fucking watch this movie. Right. So for the rest of my life, my father has been under the impression that I don't like black and white things, despite knowing <laughs> that my favorite film is Metropolis. Like it's, it's bizarre that he just can't like separate these ideas. This, this thing a nine year old said, but something I did learn, he was like, well, I can prove to you that that movie is on dozens of best film ever lists. And that right. makes it good and i was like huh so then i kind of took that to heart as a as a kid and i became statistic obsessed and number obsessed and list obsessed and awards obsessed and i felt that the only way to receive recognition was to receive direct recognition and don't get me wrong laud me tell me i'm beautiful cover me in awards shower me in commendations name things after me i love when things are named after me name everything after me the only reason i wish i was straight is so i could have like 17 kids name them after me it's ridiculous and it's just you know one of those things and um that said that all said one day i woke up and i was like i wonder how many of those lists are bought and paid for and i wonder which Mm. awards shows people know who are going to win in advance and Oh no, now I have to find out all of these truths. And it was just like one day in college. I think I was like 19 and I just stopped paying attention in the middle of a class. And I Googled around about, you know, information about like reality shows and how, who won and if there was tampering. And it's where I found out that, um, things like American Idol, when they want a certain winner to win, they will put more phone bases in the person they want to win's area than the person they want to lose his area because generally the most calls come from a person's home area um that uh frequently on all mean on frequently on all basically all american food competitions it's not the food that is prepared in the episode that is the food that is eaten by the judges that that is actually separate food frequently prepared later or at another time uh 
but point of my story. Um, no, a long time ago, I walked away from caring about these things. As soon as it's my name on those, promise you, I'm going to care really hardcore. <laughs> I'm going to care a lot, 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 lot. If, if give me, give me, give me awards, give me gold, give me the gold. But like, I, I don't so much care because I know the stuff that I think would be number one just isn't what everybody loves the way I love it. And I think trying to come up with these lists sometimes is just like a fool's errand. You just, you sound like you're trying to connect with everybody and really you're just connecting with nobody. Yeah. Oh, oh totally. I agree with everything that you said. And I, I specifically have a memory of, um, I, I don't know what age I was, but I'm going to guess it was pre high school. Um, but post elementary school. So between fifth and eighth grade, that puts it like 96 to 99, let's say. And I remember that VH1, they, they pushed it so hard. They were doing the top hundred rock and roll songs of all time. I think it was, I don't even know if it was rock. It might've just been songs, but I think it was rock. Um, and like they were, they were promoting it so hard and cross promoting it on an MTV, like their, their sister station. I remember that number one was Ode to Joy because it was if it's songs of all time. I mean, what's more, <laughs> Ode to Joy, guys. Uh, what the fuck? Beethoven's Fifth was number one. Bullshit. Flipping this table. And if the pets don't win, and I remember watching and being like, "This is it. This is definitive." Because there was nothing like that in my time. They had, they said it was voted on by uh, by artists. They sent these things out to artists and they voted on them, and. I have this very clear memory of the top three being Stairway to Heaven, Respect, uh, and, um, oh, fuck, uh, Satisfaction. And I was just like, I, uh, I was like, yeah, just like the biggest, wankiest, slow hand job motion possible. I'll give you respect a little bit because it was actually really daring. You know, it, we're talking about a song that was. Uh, she wasn't allowed to play in some of the places that were playing her. So, you know, let's, if we contextualize the, the, you know, Aretha Franklin and her bravery and, and its significance, there's a lot there. Um, but those other two are pandery at best. And I remember exactly what you're talking about. That led into an entire thing of those. Yes. Um, and it, I actually took, I took it all way too much to heart. I was such a sensitive kid and the world is not built for sensitive kids. No. You know what I mean? I didn't, didn't build my armor until I was much older. And it was because, you know, this guy just like stood behind me and just kind of whispered in my ear, you should stop letting people talk to you like that. Sometimes you're a dick, but you're worth more than that. And I later married that gentleman. So like, you know, I, I didn't build my armor and it's even then from the beginning of my marriage, I was the biggest whiniest baby. And um, I took so much of this shit to heart and like, I got so mad that so many women were above Tori Amos on the women, the top 100 women list. And I remember thinking like, how the fuck did Yoko Ono get on the top 100 female artists of all time? I'm not sure how Yoko Ono got on a train that morning, let alone that list. So can somebody please help me there? And like, you know, and then it was like, you know, top pop songs, top, you know, this and that and, VH1 never found a, a commodity that they didn't like to stretch way too thin because yeah. then they went to those I love the retro mm-hmm. and like that entire motif and then best week ever because they ran out of old times so they started uh, I love the yesterdaying and that was really interesting when they just couldn't wait for you to be nostalgic for yesterday yeah. and that's, that, that's kind <laughs> that of that idea like- that we've we've railed against that idea of like hey remember this what about this? Yeah, I remember that. I like remembering things. Like, we've railed against that on this show so much, and what we try to do is go, 
Um, we need to, we, we inception it. We need to go deeper. We want to go beyond just remember this thing. And I, I feel like so much of that is maybe influenced subconsciously by the fact that those existed and were so pandery and nonsensical. Yeah, I think we just, uh, you know, it's something that I didn't understand as a kid, but I understand way better now. I think as a culture, we, we like to list things a little too much and we like to put order to things. Uh, you might actually might not be pleased with what I did. I actually didn't write down the songs that I thought would be on there. I wrote down artists. Ah. I was sure would be represented or overrepresented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have trends mostly like, um, my predictions in that regard. Um, also, I think it's important to note that this is from Rolling Stone. And Rolling Stone is a very specific kind of magazine. And I think based on that alone, there's a couple of predictions and almost guarantees that can be made because Rolling Stone is really like, uh, how do you, how do you even put like, we're going to have an episode. Actually, we're going to bring friend of the show, Jared Brown on to talk about the history of Rolling Stone um, and what Rolling Stone represents. But what Rolling Stone to me is very much this like, huh, it's like the musical equivalent of neoliberalism. It's just like, so, like raise up the, the ones who have been here for the longest time because they've been here for the longest time. And that's, that's enough. But also just maintain the status quo forever. Like don't shake things up too much. Let things work out as they are. And it, it just kind of exists to exist. It's there because it's an institution. And as long as no one questions that Rolling Stone and everything it's saying, like, doesn't have to exist anymore. Like, it's not bringing anything to the table. Like, Rolling Stone only exists because nobody is saying that out loud. Like, people who have that just still have their subscriptions because they've never bothered to cancel it. Uh, yeah, I'd go with that. It's a, it's a relic, I guess. It's just summarize that into one sentence. I wouldn't disagree. So, and I think because of that, we can kind of presume some of their, some of the statements that they're looking to make with these. Uh, there is definitely going to be an element of performative wokeness from this ranking from Rolling Stone, I think. Yeah, I, I think we're expecting to see certain people. Mm-hmm. As well as, like I said, they've been here forever. And we let's, let's talk, before we talk about the predictions, let's go into... We've done this before because they did this in 2011. Um, they evaluated the top 100 songs, what they believed of the 2000s. So basically 10 years into the decade. I don't know why they didn't do this again in 2020. Like, I think it would make sense to do it every 10 years, but I guess they need to sell papers seven years later. And maybe they don't see themselves getting there. <laughs> yeah. Print might be really fucking dead by then. Um, the top 10 in 2011. So let's remember this is 2011. Were Stan by Eminem. Beautiful Day by U2. Ah! Number eight was Rehab by Amy Winehouse. Seven was Maps by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Six was Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. Five was Paper Planes by MIA. Four was Hey Ya by Outkast. Three was Crazy in Love by Beyonce. Two was 99 Problems by Jay-Z. And one was Crazy by Gnarls Barkley. Um, so at least we know all of these songs. At least we can kind of say that all of these songs well i could say the top eight are all very good songs uh you can fucking keep beautiful day and we've had our conversation about how we feel about eminem uh i think i have huge problems with this list i think this is a very specific representation of 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 these artists i think the idea that 
Crazy in Love is on this list is absurd to me. Agreed. Um, because there are so many better Beyonce songs. And yes. uh, I don't know how many of them were out yet, I guess. But, like, I kind of have a hard time believing that, like, Irreplaceable wasn't out yet. And Irreplaceable is 200 times the song that Crazy in Love is. Um, I think 99 Problems is sort of their equivalent of Catch All for Jay-Z. And I, yes, I, I completely agree. I guess that's fine. It's the safest Jay-Z choice. Uh, putting Crazy at number one is a desperate bid for relevance in a list that features very few surprises. I was shocked Stan wasn't number one. I would have preferred it be Hey Ya. Hey Ya had been my guess for number one as well. Uh, I had a few guesses. Um, I think Maps is on there specifically in a another desperate bid for relevance with the indie crowd. I don't think Maps belongs. I think if what we're talking about is the hundred, uh, what are we saying? Best, greatest, most impactful. What are we trying to say with this list? And what, what is the adjectival descriptor that we're using? Because if we're saying that these are the 10 best songs and you're trying to fucking tell me that somehow the 10 best songs or all top 10 songs, all Grammy yeah. nominated, if you are trying yep. to delude yourself into believing that all of the best of music is magically all of the music that the record labels want you to see, then I'm really confused because other than MIA, this seems like the only two people on this list that are not white or safe choices are are the two most powerful celebrities in the world that you wouldn't be able to deny, to deny from this list. They literally just put out an album called I, I think they, they're billing it as The Carters, and it's extremely fucking mediocre and rides entirely on the fact that they are fucking Jay Z and Beyonce. Like it's I've listened to it; it's not great. Um, it's lazy on both of them. I feel like there's there's nothing. This what we're getting now. Like they've at least picked stuff from. The, the peak of their careers creatively and financially. Um, and like, I guess this is going to kind of bleed into the stuff that I've predicted. So I predicted a couple of trends and I'm just going to get right into it that I, I can see from this, this previous list and just from knowing what Rolling Stone is. And I think something that we're going to see now, we have not looked at the top 100, this new one at all. Um, I, I unfortunately do know what is number one. Um, so I'm going to leave that in my back pocket and that has not influenced this. But we have not looked at the new top 100 at all yet, but I have some predictions. One of them is, this kind of ties together, singles only and the worst songs by good artists. Because I think, you know, you have to remember that this is a mainstream publication. They're not going to pick the B-sides. They're not gonna, they, they need the reader to go, hell yeah, I recognize this. I know this song. So that's why you're getting stuff like Crazy in Love. And Crazy in Love is, you know, it's it's relevant still because... You know, you hear it a lot, but you hear it in the context of your drunk aunt getting up out of your out of the table at at a wedding to go dance to it extremely whitely. It's beautifully produced, but other than that, it's it's not really that much of a, like an incredible song. Like beautiful production, that horn line is great, but I mean, is it something that resonates? Is it culturally relevant outside of your aunt's wedding? No we all remember Hey Ya, like it is definitely one of the catchiest songs of the 2000s. I agree with that. Seven Nation Army, there's definitely relevance there in regards to it has become an, I mean, the World Cup's going on literally as we speak. That has become a chant for every country in the world during soccer. So that has massive cultural relevance. Is that enough to make it one of the 100 best songs of the 2000s? So there's so many questions. Amy Winehouse probably died pretty close to this, and I predict that as well. Um, I predict that dead people are going to suddenly get a boost. 
Um, so I would guess that that has something to do with it. All of this stuff adds up to what are we really trying to do here? And that's this nebulous concept of the hundred greatest songs. It's impossible to do. In film, you can at least rank the top 10 or 20 movies of the year because someone hypothetically could see every movie released in the cinema. You cannot hear every song released in a year. Thanks to the internet, there is literally infinite music now that makes stuff like this for music very fucking hard and very fucking limited. I didn't want to stop you. You seemed like you were really on a roll. Nope, that's it. I'm done. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think my issue with this list, um, <clears throat> you hit a, you hit a thing for me that I really like that you hit. It's going to be, I don't know that it's going to be all the worst songs by the best artists, but I know that it's going to be singles. And I yes. know it's going to be the best remembered singles regardless. Um, because what do we mean by greatest? You know, I think, I think if we're talking about, if we're even talking about things that are critically Okay, I have this really specific memory that um, in the same year that Nirvana's Nevermind came out, or In Utero, one of them, Exile in Guyville by Liz Fair came out, and Rolling Stone mm-hmm. said it was a better record or something. Like, it, it's some weird thing like that. Now, if you want to tell me that if Rolling Stone did 100 best records of the 90s, that you think that Exile in Guyville will still beat that Nirvana record, sure. Yeah, no. Whatever you want to wager, just hand over now because mm-hmm. it's that it's that thing that happens. It's this weird reverse engineering of of significance, right? Um, the stuff that aged better is always remembered for being better, even if at the time it wasn't as big. And correct. Yeah, this is actually a shout out for my, my, my people that like my weird 90s lesbian rock. Um, Sean Colvin had an album, A Few Small Repairs. Uh, I know I quoted this on here in another episode. It's in my head because I listened back to it. Damn it. Um, she says a legend is not a legend until it ends, right? That's why Pearl Jam are Pearl Jam now. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean, Eddie Vedder is that guy that lives down your street and occasionally is like, take out your garbage. And like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just that guy. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep working in my Eddie Vedder share Scott Stapp impression into every episode from now on. Good luck. I'm very upset about my property taxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't find better land. <laughs> so, um, you either live, you know, you either live long enough to become um, a legend or you know, it's the Madonna thing. It's the Madonna thing we talked about, right? Edit that however you need to make it make sense. I, mean, I think that ties into Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse being number eight here. I predict that she's, um, like, whoever died more recently is going. Maybe we won't get a song by Tentacion, but because Amy Winehouse <laughs> died closer to this, I think she's she her stock will have taken a hit because that death is farther away. And it's not as performative to be like, oh, RIP, Amy. Think about what you could have done. Like, that's farther away. So I think Rehab is, and, and Amy Winehouse in general is going to drop significantly <laughs> on this new one. Because, again, it's performative. Here are the people I think we will see, or certain songs that I think must appear. I okay. had I had Hey Ya by Outkast, because I knew that had to sure. appear. I had Stan by Eminem, because I knew that had to appear. Okay. And I have Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado, uh, not just because it's a personal favorite, but it's a really well-remembered song for some reason. And it's the kind of song that they can still use as relevant because, oh, look how long Timbaland's been around, and look how many people he's worked with. Um, yeah. So I just feel like yeah. that, that it'll be like number eighty-seven, but it'll be there. Um, mm-hmm. Then I have 
I expect at least one appearance from Beyonce, Coldplay, Justin Timberlake, One Republic, Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Foo Fighters, Kanye, Kendrick, The Weeknd, The Black Eyed Peas, and Bonavir. I expect at Ooh. least one appearance from Ooh. each of them. I'm sorry. I just want to piggyback off of Bonnie Ever. That is a great one. And I'm going to tie that into my prediction of token indie because Rolling Stone is essentially the magazine equivalent of Steve Buscemi in uh, Billy Madison with the skateboard being like, what's up, fellow youths? And I predicted that we're going to get something by one of these very um, Rolling Stone indie bands like MGMT, oh. Vampire Weekend, Whoa. LCD Sound System, oh, wait, it's coming. Fire, or Chairlift. Like yeah. one of those for sure. Uh, my, I promise you one song list is Alicia Keys, Bjork, Bruno Ooh. Mars. I expect we get yeah. at least one from each of them, and I would find it mm-hmm. really hard to believe if we don't. I expect yeah. at least one from Justin Bieber, just by virtue yeah. of his of his involvement. I expect at least one by Ellie Goulding. I expect at least one by Fergie as a solo artist, and I I mean that. I think um, I think there's an outside chance that um. Halsey's Bad at Love is going to be on the list, even though it's so incredibly recent. It was a song that had some amount of me- uh, mega fandom behind it. Uh, I predicted that uh, Clean Bandits Rather Be might be on there. Um, uh, somebody that I used to know by Gautier, I oh, predict is going to be on Fuck. there. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I predicted that there will be at least one Lord song. I predict that there will be at least one song from The Emancipation of Mimi by Mariah Carey. I had a mm. prediction of one Janelle Monet or MIA song. Oh, I hope so the so. fact that MIA was already on there right. gives me some feels. I predict yeah. Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. Okay. I predict at least one minus the Bear song. I Ooh, predict, I don't know about uh, that. I don't know. They're so pretentious. I predict at least one, <laughs> uh, uh, Panic at the Disco and Fallout Boy song. Yeah, um, Fallout Boy. Yeah, I predict a Robin song. I don't know which I one. I hope so. But I, I expect either Call Your Girlfriend or Dancing on My Own. Yeah, um, I think that's or correct. Hang with uh, or hand uh, hang with me. Hang with me. Yeah, I expect. Yeah, I expect one Shakira song. I expect yeah. a Catch All Sia song. Yeah, Chandelier. But I bet Catch All. Yeah, yeah. That ties like into my worst song by a good artist. Yeah, I expect one Tegan and Sarah song. It is likely to be off of the record from two years uh, ago that everybody was. I thought about. about that too. I don't. I thought about putting that into my uh, token Indiaism stuff. I don't. Mm, I agree with you. If there's something there, it'll be closer. But I don't think it's going to happen. And my outside, what the fuck? Who can you can't hurt me? Is I half expect there to be a Girls Generation or a K-pop song. Ooh, who's that new K-pop band that like dominates Twitter? Um, I don't I know, be... but yeah, that yeah, Jonah that, would know. Where's Jonah? That in like the '90s or something like that, just as a fucking some meat to the the fan base. I could see. Yeah, good call. So that's that was my list of either people or artists or songs and just like where they would be like if it. they would have multiple. Uh, I just really wanted to key into some solid numbers. I want to. I love all of that. I want to add a couple of things with the rest of my. Um, the rest of my predictions, old dead dudes, whether dead literally or figuratively, um, U2, Bruce Springsteen. Has Bob Dylan released a song in the 2000s? I don't know. If he has, it'll be on here. Um, yeah, he did. He did because he released an album in like 2004 or something. And one of the song's lyrics were, when I think about Alicia Keys, she makes me cry. 
I just remember thinking, Alicia Keys has made it if Bob Dylan is writing songs about how great she is, because that's what other people do about Bob Dylan. She just got Bob-septed. She just got (laughs) Dill-septed. Here's a complicated complicated feels for me. David Bowie's Black Star is an incredible album and is one of the best albums of that year. And I think Lazarus is a phenomenal song, especially in the context of what he was going through when he made and recorded it. But that would make no sense on this list. I think it'll be artificially inflated. I think it does. I think it could be top 70, maybe put it at like 65. I think it'll be like 11 or 10. Oh, we're idiots. Radiohead. There has to be Radiohead on here. Oh, there's going to be. I I thought that went without saying. There's going to be a shitload of Radiohead. Oh, Um, and that, and that, oh, that little, what's that, what's that stupid band by that crazy person who lost his mind? And he's that actor and he puts heads in boxes or whatever. Uh, And I hate him. Spacey, Jared, Jared Leto. And it hurts to think. 30 Seconds to Mars. What's his band? 30 30 Seconds to Mars. I was like, it hurts to look at things. God, no. Jordan Catalano. Jordan Catalano. Jordan Catalano can't read. Yo, Donna Martin graduates. <laughs> Politics. Um, yeah. The previous list had, not in the top 10, but the previous list had Bruce Springsteen's The Rising and something from American Idiot. I think politics shifting will mean that those drop and um, something off of To Pimp a Butterfly or maybe um, Donald Glover's This Is America gets, um, which I think both are extremely important and relevant songs. I think they get artificially inflated due to the relevancy and what Rolling Stone wants to use them to say. I think those end up much higher on this list um, than one would expect. Uh, in the inversion of that, I'm going to say problematic regression is what I've called this. CeeLo Green being at number one and Eminem being at number 10. And if I remember correctly from looking at the previous list, um, Remix to Ignition, which and all of these artists have songs that deserve to be on this list, regardless of who they are as people. I am going to say that Rolling Stone slams in a hashtag me too just because rolling stone wants to make a political statement and all of these artists suffer significantly whether you think that this is the place for that political statement or not uh is nothing i want i'm interested in commenting on but i think rolling stone is going to make a point to um push them off of the list okay can i you can um i have a request and you can tell me no you can be like "Eh." i think one of the only things we should really say about most of these songs is Higher, lower, or okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think some of these might deserve a little bit more, but we have another, uh, I think we have now and again Prime, you know, to talk about where a lot of these songs will end up one day. Um, so I don't want to get deep dives into a lot of these, but I think some of these will just, <laughs> I think more of these will invoke sounds than they will like statements. Um, yeah. Oh. I'm trying to go, I just mean more like death of the artist. I much more yeah. mean like, let's just talk about the song, where it sits on the list. Sure. Um, because, because of so many reasons, nothing to do with the Me Too movement. Because you know that you know that's who I am. Like yeah. I'm like you know we're we're gonna go champion. I hope it didn't like, sound like I was. There's so many factors. That. No, 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 no. I meant like you just listed like seven reasons. Because uh, uh, dude, I know where you stand on these arguments, dude. You're literally one of the most righteous people I know. Don't even worry about that. I more meant like when you contextualize it, you just said three or four things that are gonna we're gonna use a broader version of politically mm-hmm. affect these 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 these, these rankings. So. I'm totally cool with um, – no, I, I love everything you just said. I more mean like there are so many political reasons this, this list is a piece of shit. Yeah. So and We don't even know um, it yet. We, without further- we, wait, wait. Real quick because this is, this is on fucking brand for us. Yes or no, will there be a single Carly Rae Jepsen song on this list? 
I absolutely don't believe there will. Um, oh no, Same. no, no. What do you call it? Uh, yes, there will. There'll be that. Uh, there'll be two. I think there will oh. be. Um, if there are any, there will be two. Call I me maybe. They will. Uh, call me maybe. If there's, and, if, if there's one, it's um, not going to be there though. The the one, the one with Owl City. In case they don't use fireflies. Oh. Um. Uh, when can I see you again? Good time, is it? No. Yeah, good time. Okay. If if they yeah. don't use okay. fireflies, they might use good time. Um, and I think that's just because that's one of those, oh, oh, Swedish House Mafia. I wouldn't be shocked if, um, Safe and Sound appeared on here. Ooh, I wouldn't be shocked if Dashboard Confessionals hands down appeared on here at some point. Oh, fuck. Um, what about a, did a Blink-182 song come out into the 2000s? Yeah, it did. I don't think we'll see any of those. Um, all right. So we're going to jump into this list right after I grab another beer. Stay 